This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week, number 912, brought to you by iFanboy listeners like you. I rode my bicycle past your window last night. I roller skated to your door at daylight. It almost seems like you're avoiding me. I'm okay alone, but you got something I Hey, this is Josh Flanagan. I'm here with some fool named Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. 
you like you are you are you're a damned fool yeah, I know. but also hey, like a smart uh with it sweet guy but just foolish as all get out sure it happens to the best of us there's something you don't hear young people say <laughs> they don't say oh he's crazy riz and they he's may be fool. saying it. we just don't understand what they're saying yeah yeah that's true that could oh, be oh god that's the oldest man Let's thing. not do this no i, I know it was <laughs> at least we're self-aware enough to know that like this isn't helping it's not helping anybody. It, it, <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't make me feel better. I don't feel <laughs> like I don't feel like a sense of superiority. Like, oh, they're terrible. I just feel worse. Like I missed a plane <laughs> every week. <laughs> Have you ever missed a plane? Uh, missed a plane. I've almost missed a plane. You, you, you might recall I almost missed the flight to the C2E2 that one year. I was the I, last I don't one on the plane. That. And then my luggage didn't make it. Kind of remember that. I did once go to an airport and uh, went to check in. They said, your flight is next week. And I went, no, that's not possible. <laughs> I have to go today. <laughs> and so they, luckily there was a seat and they had big day transfers. I've never actually, I don't think, missed a plane. I missed one flight once because of weather, like snow. Oh, sure. Get there. No, 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 no. Like I was late. The plane left. Oh. I didn't make it in time. I don't remember what happened. Anyway. I don't think I have. Yeah. I don't think I have. That's the kind of thing I would have a stress stream about missing a plane that was because just yeah. money out the window every week one of us picks the book they like the best from their stack of comics there was a, there was one year where ron and i were going to to the airport to go to comic-con and i think we were like we left an hour after we should have and we we like drove 100 miles an hour to get to the airport in time. we didn't miss it right. but we almost did well you were with ron it was fine yeah. <laughs> it was like fine. if you were on your own you'd have missed we would it, never would have missed it that's right no it didn't. He just parked on the curb, came yeah, back, just, no ticket. It was he still threw his there. keys to somebody at random, and they parked it for him. <laughs> at the end, he's like, "They didn't even charge me. <laughs> they gave me money." Every week, one of us picks the. You may not understand this, uh, what we're talking about, but if you do, like, if you're like, "Wait, are you saying yes?" That's what we're saying. Every week, one of us picks the book they like the best from their stack of comic books. We call that the pick of the week. We'll talk about the other books from the week. In fact, literally this week, every book I'm talking about. Almost. Pretty much every book that's you know that was even like a real thing to talk about. Uh, there's a patron pick, which was one of the books I read anyway because I didn't read a lot of books. Uh, there will be listener mail if we have time. And listen, we shouldn't screw it up, but we've already set a precedent here and it's not good. Your spoiler warning is that there will be spoilers for the books that we talked about or are talking about or will talk about at any point in the future. Connor, thank God it wasn't me. <laughs> I had the pick this week. And it was Batman, the Brave and the Bold, number nine. We'll get to that in a second. And this is the first week of this year where I didn't have at least 20 books to read. I've, I've, I've had a large week for the past three weeks. And this wasn't even a fifth week. Next week, the fifth week. Do you remember, like, I think it was last year or maybe the last two years, each of those Januaries were, like, just deserts. Yeah. There wasn't a lot People of got books. got mad at us because it was nothing to talk yeah. about. And they thought we hated comics. And it was like, no, there's just not being – no. It was weird. I was thinking about that because this January, like, we've had a ton of books. And they've been good. And I was like, we didn't hate anything. The books weren't there. And what were sucked. That's not – we don't do that. <laughs> this week was rough. I'm not going to lie. Yes. There was some solid, you know, okay books. But when you've had three weeks in a row, over 20 books, and most of them were a lot of fun to read, this was a tough week for me. Although the pick was very easy in that sense. I think I had nine books this week, which yeah, is Yeah, I mean, I got, the, I got the list by like noon on Wednesday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, uh, is there nothing else? And there wasn't. Anyway, Batman, the Brave and the Bold, number nine. This is the anthology series. And it just so happens that the three stories 
it includes four stories and they're not all Batman related. It's the brave and the bold, which in the, in the past was a book where Batman teamed up with someone else from the DC universe. So they use it as an excuse. Some of the stories are Batman related, some are not. And the three that let off the book were three of my favorites that they've done in the whole run. And they all wrapped up this week. And then there was a really nice short. They've been doing these black and white one shot shorts at the end of every issue. This week's was by Bruno Redondo. That was really, really terrific. We had the final part. It says part four of four. It felt like there's been nine parts of this Batman, the winning card story that Tom King and Mitch Gerrits and Clayton Cowles have been retelling the uh, story from the first issue of Batman, the very first issue. They're only on part four. Yeah, it feels like it's been way more than four. That's that's, that's not that can't be. Is it that's not in every issue? Says. It, says, it says the Batman the winning card part four in the, in the issue. Huh. I, I just just before we go, I read this. Oh, good. I hadn't read the ones before it, but I read this, and, and I, have, I have thoughts on that. Go ahead. I'll get to them all. I'll just give the overview. The second story was the final part, three-part story about Wild Dog by Kyle Starks and Fernando Passarin. Wild Dog was sort of DC's answer to the Punisher in the 90s, but he was a Midwestern Punisher. Whatever. He's Casey Jones. Yeah, kind of Casey Jones-ish. This was the least funny issue, if you only read this one, Josh. The other ones were really huh. funny, and this was more of the action climax. And then the final part, the third part of the Gabriel Hardman written and drawn Aquaman story, where Aquaman teams up with the gorillas from Gorilla City to fight the Dominators. I thought these are all terrifically done. I mean, look at this lineup. You got Tom King, Mitch Garrett, Kyle Starks, Gabriel Hardman, Bruno Redondo, right there. And that's just the not even the supporting cast, which is top notch. You've got some of the best people making comics right now in one issue. And I just like the short story aspect of it. So again, the, the Batman, the first Batman story, the Tom King one is it was much more faithful in the beginning, the retelling of the very first Batman Joker story. But here you have a Batman who has been really badly beaten up by the Joker, having a really brutal knife fight with the Joker in the woods. I thought Mitch Garrett really acquitted himself terrifically in this issue. There's some wonderful stuff here. There's times where they make Batman look like he did back in the, 40s with the mask being very pointy and then this joker with the black eyes is really scary and i've I've been enjoying this running joke with bruce and this blowhard friend of his who is modeled after what's his name from the bear and from walking dead oh i I can't i know it's got he's got several names they're mostly modeling bruce after john ham I saw that in in the one page. I was like, "Oh, that, wait, that, it's Don Draper. It's not even, yeah, it's not oh, even yes, John it's Don, Hamm. It's young Don, it's Draper, Don Draper for sure. Because with John Hamm, there's Don Draper, and then everyone else is John Hamm. Right. The other guy is John, what? Bernthal. Bernthal. Mm. Anyway, terrific stuff from King and Garrett's. If you're going to do a Batman story, they've done a lot of them. Retelling the first Batman Joker story is interesting into it sort of a more of a modern context, but still staying true to the original plot. That was really good. And then but I, I I just really loved this wild dog story. I, I read a couple of wild dog comics in the nineties, mostly because it was like, what is this craziness? I, I, I mm-hmm. you know, I wouldn't say I was a wild dog fan by any means. It's very poochy. It's I mean, very... literally down to like the dog name. <laughs> so in this story, wild dog, who is again, mid sort of a Midwestern vigilante, who was a football hero for his college, the Wild Dogs. He wears their jersey as his uniform, and he got sued by the college in previous issues, so he was wearing a different shirt when this issue opens. Has to save the day. The Red Dogs, I'm sorry. The Red Dogs are the team. He's the Wild Dog. And he's got to save the day because this 
tiny bad guy gizmo has taken the football stadium hostage and he wants a ransom and i thought the way that starks wrote and fernando prasar and drew the actual fight was terrific in the smoke where well dog throws these smoke bombs out into the field and he comes in and out of the smoke to take out the henchmen that was really well mm-hmm. done really strong storytelling that and the um the thing where he's like blow it away i'm like we can't you put up the force field i was like excellent work yeah, I mean, really really, like one of those like really covered your bases and thought about it and told us in a way that I thought wasn't too explicationy. Yeah. What's the word I'm looking for? Expositiony. Expositiony. That's the one. I mean, I think my is still technically correct, but it's not what I wanted. Really fun story. Really funny. The first two parts are really funny. The third part was really action packed. I would totally read a Kyle Stark's Wild Dog miniseries. It was really good. And then you know. Gabriel Hardman doing Aquaman plus Gorillas plus Dominators in this big sci-fi story was just terrific. One of the most unexpected little short stories of the year. Colors are beautiful on this. I was gonna. That was the thing that stood out. Was first of all, I I I, I'm reading through it and I I looked at the names at the beginning, but I promptly forgot who did everything. Other than I knew Tom King wrote the first one. So the whole time I'm like, this looks great. And then at the end, I was like, oh yeah, it's Mitch Garrett's, obviously. (laughs) And then it was like, I was like, that what 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 was it? Wild Dog. I didn't know. I didn't know where that was coming from, and I thought that was really fun. Oh, Kyle Starks, right? Connor mentioned that, and then I got to the Gabe Hardman one, and and I didn't. I go, this looks really good. And I go, oh, this is the Gabe, and I thought this is great. He hates being called Gabe. I just did it for so long before I knew that that I'm trying not to. Gabriel. Anyway, I thought this looks really good, and then I noticed I was like these colors are perfect Wonderful. because. Hardman stuff is usually so muted and moody and dark. And this is just like, nah, we're going to do color. We're going to do, even though it was under, you know, uh, underwater and, and everything, it was really beautiful, I thought. And f- fun. Just well, like the dominators are, you know, they're bright yellow skin. Yeah. They have these bright the green red. outfits. Aquaman is orange and green and yellow hair flying everywhere. He's got the long hair. It's a very much a not a Gabriel Hardman story for reasons you just said. And I thought it was really fun. The gorillas had some interesting political dynamics going on. The mm-hmm. Dominators are a great classic DC villain. I mean, these are all short stories. You're not getting too deep into anything, but you're getting a really action-packed, raucous tale with a little bit of a message at the end of the mm-hmm. Aquaman one, as, as often happens. It's, it was just really strong. All these stories are really strong. And then the final, how many pages is this? I don't know, four or five pages. Bruno Redondo, yeah. Batman story, narrated by Alfred beautiful i love these black and whites he's not american right no well i mean i don't know if he had somebody translate it or if he wrote it that way but i thought this is great spanish well i get that no this and this it's certainly like you can speak english you can but like i thought the verbiage was good I thought the dialogue yeah. was strong i thought it sounded very natural or red whichever uh so the thing that stood out to me is that i just was like i'll take a look through this i'll start reading it and i read every story and every story in this is a continuation actually an ending mm-hmm and I didn't feel like I, not one time was I like, oh, I missed the, I don't know what's going on. Every single one of them. And we've, I've said this before, but it felt like, oh, you can just jump in and read them. And I really liked that. It was right. just fun to sort of jump into a story I hadn't been reading, but not really need to and sort of getting the point of it. Maybe the early wild dogs were, were funny or whatever, but I was still, to me, it was all new. I was like, I don't even know what this is. Right. And I was, I was into it. And, and honestly, out of everything I read, this is probably what I would have made the pick of the week to. Yeah. If I had to. The crafts level was higher than anything else. 
The other thing, too, is that, like, these aren't new Batman stories. And, and like, this is well-trod ground. Yep. You know, especially, like, Joker and Batman. What else is there left to say? But there's little bits in there, even what Tom hasn't said about them. But, you know, even in there, bits are like, that's just, that's really lovely. That's a nice bit. The way that, you know, Bruno Rodano wrote Alfred thinking about, wait, was it Alfred? Yeah. Okay. And then there was the thing in there that I thought was, which is a thing I've never seen before was the sort of diagram of how hmm. he hides from Jim Gordon. I was like, I've never seen that. We just made it a mystery. But this is the guy who said, well, this is how it would actually work. Or, you know, this is my, my take on it. And I thought that's... But it was also sort of implied that Gordon could see the rope. So he was just playing along with, with him in a way. I don't, think, I don't think it was. I think it was just that it was done so well, like a magician or something, that it was there, mm. but it wasn't in plain sight. Possibly. It just like sleight of hand. But either way, you know, at this point, when you're going to give me something, a Batman story that I've never seen or thought about. Right. That's something, I think. Also, these stories, they're all classic, out of time, out of continuity. And it makes me really miss these versions of the characters, this Batman with Alfred and... This Aquaman, I thought, was I was like, oh, there's no angst about it, really. Yeah. Because that's been the thing, is trying to figure out what his personality is. And this one, at the end, he's like, you can't save everybody. He's like, well, you have to try. And I was like, superhero. Just make him a fucking superhero. You know, he doesn't have to be angry about the surface. He's not Namor. You don't right. have to turn him into that. That's a different thing. He doesn't have to be mired in uh, just make him a super Superman with fish. It's <laughs> right. okay. You know, go it's talk always to nice the when they're fun and they're they're happy to be doing what they're doing. They're not all yeah. constantly moping about yeah superheroing. But gorgeous, gorgeous book. This whole anthology has been terrific. Mm-hmm. So Tom King's story happened a couple issues, and then they it went away for like four issues. And in between that, they had the uh, Guillaume March Batman story, which was really good. It ended last in the last issue. And then they came back with this Tom King one. I, I don't know if this is the final issue because all these stories ended. Who knows anymore? But this whole mini, this whole anthology has been really great. And the second one, they had that other Batman anthology. It was, it was like uh, Gotham something files or whatever. They had them before this. They had the Chip Zdarsky, Jason Todd story in it. I'm happy that they keep doing this because Gabriel Harbin's probably not going to do an Aquaman miniseries, but he could do an Aquaman Mm-hmm. Short, so you'll get you'll yeah. get great stuff out of it. The Penguin, number six, as we finally get to Gotham and Batman, but it's a flashback. I had just read five because that had been backed up, and so you know that was the end of the gathering of the crew, and yeah. so when I I went back in, I was like, ah. Oh. We're supposed to be doing the thing, right. well, and what we have instead is kind of an origin story. And and you tell me, is this? This is new. Okay, like so, the, like the thing that he's originally Batman's mole is quite a departure. And that Batman paid for the iceberg lounge, yeah. basically. Yeah, I, this is all new. I also thought it was interesting that he was paying the informant, which is a very normal thing to do. But I just was like, would Batman do that? That's totally new. I've never seen that before. But this version of Batman, you know, like that's that's expedient. Like he right. wants the information more than he and you know, he wasn't thinking of of Penguin as a bad guy per se. Is this it this isn't supposed to be canon, it's just I don't know. Penguin Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Who knows anymore with DC? Not that it even really matters. I mean, technically I think so, because it started with him in hiding yeah. outside of Gotham. That ties into the Batman book, so whatever it's whatever you want it to be. I mean, the fact is, like, I, I I couldn't tell you what Penguin's origin is at this point. It's like they they didn't bother with. There's it been so many. He's been so many different things. In this one, he start he was a poor Gotham kid, and 
In other ones, mm. he's been part of the aristocracy. The the Cobblepots were like there with the Waynes and the Arkhams. And oh yeah, like like Batman Returns. He was like a right. rich kid. They they do with Penguin what they want, basically. And so in this version of Penguin, he's never been the umbrella toting supervillain. He's always been the mobster from the very beginning. I'm so cool with the, that. Yeah, it's fine. Whatever. I like Penguin. I've always liked Penguin, but I'm also fine with him being malleable and there being very there yeah. being lots of different versions of him. I thought this was good. I thought the Steven Subic villain art was strong. Everyone was kind of craggly and ugly. Mm-hmm. The story of Penguin being the lowly bartender slash janitor at the Iceberg Lounge when it was owned by the mob, becoming Batman's informant. He's Charlie Kelly. He <laughs> did the Charlie work. Slowly um, taking down the mob through Batman and then the whole creepy landlady slash maybe mother slash he throws her off the roof at the end. That to me was the moment of brilliance in the issue is that you're starting to believe like, well, this is, you know, he's got some sort of, and then it's all a put on and he, you know, kills the right. lady. So there's, there's no heart there at all. He's just an opportunist. I don't know why he's doing any of it though, other than a lust for power, for respect. I mean, I, I guess right. that's it. It's the typical, uh, been bullied and now will become the bully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, he's, he's good at it. I've been really liking this series, as we've talked about it many times. The last issue was strong. I'm looking forward to see what happens now in the present with him and his crew returning to Gotham. This, I think this was a needed pause as we got to learn about this Penguin. So now yeah. we kind of know what he's capable of. And so now we, we'll know in the future what, what to look for. It's a very, this issue at this time in this kind of story is, is a very tried and true kind of thing. It's very like, Preacher would do this. They'd go through a thing and they'd get to the end of one part and the next one would be like, let's look into the past and learn more about these people before you get to the other thing. That's a, it's a right. very standard long form story move. I don't mean that in a bad way. Like it's, it's the right thing to do. It's good. God's number four. Nope. Is it four? Yeah, it's four. Yeah. What are your thoughts on God's? I don't know. <laughs> and I say that, I say that from the point of view that I am still reading it. I kind of can't tell if I like it or not. I, there's times when I'm reading it where I feel like I, I don't, I don't know that it's doing anything I'm interested in, mm-hmm. but there is enough that is, there's like shades of, there's like a little Warren Ellis in this. If, if that makes sense mm-hmm. where it's sort of, it's not exactly Marvel. Like they're all new characters outside of like, there's aim and there's, there's Dr. Strange. But other than that, if they're not new characters, they're very disused characters. It's like right. from the bottom of the bin kind of thing. And I don't know. I thought three was really strong. Mm-hmm. I read three this week. It was one of the last books I had to hold over from vacation. I finished all those books and over the previous weekend. But I thought three was really good. Three was more about this Mia character. And it felt very sort of character-based and smaller. And then so this one, we, we sort of blow it up into a lot of Marvel cosmic gobbledygook that I had trouble keeping track of. Yes. I'm in for this whole thing. We're halfway through. I might as well. But like if the whole rest of this comic is like this, then I probably won't like it as much. I liked the beginnings more than this issue. And I'm hoping this isn't like the act two change where it gets really dense into the different factions and, they're different heralds, not their heralds, but their avatars and the abstract and the 
yeah. natural order of things and the powers that be, and it was just got very sort of. I definitely could confused. use the. I use the page at the beginning to be like, oh, okay, that's that's who they are. I don't know who the bad guy is, and that isn't for me. Say to you that like they didn't tell me. I'm saying it didn't stick if they did tell me. Mm-hmm. I understand that the conflict of this seems to be between this guy who was married to the woman and then everything changed and he's in this weird ennui, like a sort of like dream or something mm-hmm. like that. But I don't really know. I mean, the stakes are huge. It's the whole realities. We know it, but big deal. That's all of them. Right. Yeah. It's weird. Cause I, I really liked three and I really liked one a lot two. I don't really have much memory of it. Three, I thought was really strong and I was like, oh, I'm really liking this. And then I read four and I was like, Oh, there's so much here that I'm just not following. I think it's very interesting. Yeah. But also at the same time, it's very unremarkable. It is both of those things. It's almost because it is Jonathan Hickman, the fact that it is unremarkable is interesting, if that mm-hmm. tracks at all. I think that's what it is. It's not bad. It's just... No. These kind of stories don't tend to be the kind of stories I like, but... Yes. It felt kind of similar to reading the Eternals book that they put out when the movie came out. We both read mm-hmm. Where yeah. after a while, I was like, you're getting really deep into the lore here, and I don't know any or care. Yeah. Just tell me. That was Kieran Gillen, I think. Right. Just tell me a story. We'll see. We'll see how it plays out. But it's a confounding book, because I think it's good, but I just don't know if I'm the right person for all of it. All right, we'll see. Let's talk about Newburn. Are you still reading Newburn? Have you been reading it the whole time? I am. I let them pile up at a certain point. I think I thought about dropping it. Yeah. Because I lost the thread or didn't care. I really liked the issue before this because it was finally like we felt like there was movement. And this was the, the 14 here was like cards on the table. Like you get newborns, new newborns origin. <laughs> mm-hmm. You get a newborns origin. It's not very long. <laughs> I still don't know what I, I think. I think it's a book that's really well done, but I don't know if I'm that interested in it. I think at some point in the last four issues, it took a turn. Where I got way less interested in it. It was at some point where the story really went from this guy and his new partner, you know, and their strange mm-hmm. job being sort of the cops for the criminals in New York. And it, it got really deep into her backstory and then there's this crime that happened. And I just sort of lost interest in it. Mm-hmm. Every time it comes out, I think, should I drop it? That's interesting. I thought that you would you would be more into it, but here, here's another problem, I think. I think that I think in my head, my brain tells me that I'm reading a criminal book. I'm reading <laughs> a Brubaker book, and it ain't. The other side of that is that you realize like how subtly good Brubaker's books are like that. How does Jacob Phillips have time to draw all these books? I mean, him and Dan Mora, they take PEDs. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I thought the cover was really good for this book, which is probably one of the reasons why I didn't drop this particular issue. Yeah. A close-up shot of young Newburn with his New York City police officer uniform on. I thought it was a really strong cover with his name across his eyes. I thought the story of this was interesting. Yes. How he got to be who he, who he is as, as sort of this, the only arbiter of disputes among the crime families and his family of cops, his mom being the more badass one. They still, someone needs to tell Jacob Phillips what mobsters in New York look like. Because this one looks like Santa Claus. <laughs> the head of the Italian mafia with a beard. I was like, nope. Nope, 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 nope. In the nope, current nope, storyline, nope. the head of the Italian mob looks like an accountant with a, with a, he he's also has a beard. This guy looks like Santa. Like, it's like someone give him a good fellas. Or just like, he, these are, these are all the heads of the families that have ever been. And they'd be like, these are horribly looking people. And I said, yes, that's correct. They don't look threatening at all. Not a beard among them. 
No, no, the Don don't wear shorts. That's the rule. And he also so, doesn't look like a hip guy who like owns a record label. Right. So I don't know. I don't know. It's it's almost over. I mean, we're going to, I got to finish this arc, I guess. Is it almost over? I mean, I feel like we're coming to a head. Like it can't go back to the way it was after this is over. Yeah. I guess, I guess when you learn about the origin of the hero in this kind of story, you've got nowhere to go, but to the end. Right. Because it like, it, like everything that's interesting about him has now been revealed. I think it was tough for me. You had this, or I had this like hope that he was a good guy. Like, cause he just said it, like, I just wanted to be a cop and do cop things, which is, I thought a nice. He kind of is a good guy. Yeah, but he killed all the people. Well, he had to. They killed his dad. I know, but it's a, it changed the idea of how I was justifying what he was doing. Right. His whole thing was he couldn't be a cop in NYPD because NYPD was corrupt and because... Right, so he breaks the law. Now he can actually be a cop. He can actually solve crimes. He can actually have those crimes be punished in a way that he couldn't in the, what you would assume would have been like the 80s in New York City, even though they've given, they give you no indication of timelines here. Mm-hmm. If he's like in his 50s, I don't know, maybe 30 years ago or the yeah. 90s, maybe the 90s. It's still bad. You got to give Jacob Phillips credit. I think that his work does a lot to make this book work. Mm. And under a lot of other artists, it wouldn't. I think that his work is just like his father's before him. It just does so much to ground a thing like this. Other than the aforementioned, like these people don't really look like they're supposed to, whatever though. You know, they just do, those Phillipses just do that beaten down, tired person. Mm-hmm. you know, middle-aged white man. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of their move. They do it really well, and it, it, it does a lot of the work for for the writer, I think. Right. So I stopped reading Damn Them All after the first arc. I wanted to check in on it. Um, this is the last issue, uh, yeah. issue number 12 of Damn Them All from Cy Spurrier oh, and, yep, and uh, Charlie Adlard. Actually, he's not Cy anymore. He's always written Simon on everything. He was Cy for a while, and he's like, I don't think that's working for me. We went with Simon. <sighs> you know, I barely held on to the thread through mm-hmm. the whole thing. In fact, at the end, I couldn't really tell you what happened. It largely became about understanding the main character, the woman, and then her uncle, not John Constantine, Alf- Alfie. Right. And, you know, because it is a, it's a Hellblazer book. And, and now he's writing Hellblazer again, so he's done with this, and fair enough. <laughs> that character is not going to develop. That character is not going to change. We're just going to look at how they deal with the shit that gets thrown at them and get in terrible positions and then get out of it and have that look on their eye that says, I was never worried about this. You know, Mm -hmm. like I I had this under control the whole time. Everything's shitty. What are you going to do? Have a cigarette. Right. That's kind of what it was. And I thought that the way that they portrayed demons in the world, um, Mm -hmm. both visually and sort of as ideas was really strong. It was one of the best I've ever seen of that. But the novelty of that wore off many issues ago. I still don't really have a handle on the female cop who is Mm. there or how they relate. I always, I couldn't ever tell like, are they enemies now or not? So I barely held on, but I finished it. And I think if you were maybe a little more into it and paid a little more attention, there was probably more to get out of it. If you really liked that sort of, you know, occult world building kind of thing, but I finished it. I, (laughs) that's on the cover of the trade. I finished it. Josh, I I finished it. You and I have not yet talked about the Holy Roller. This is number Are you three. reading this? Ryan and I talked about number one uh, on the Thanksgiving show when you were not there. I can't imagine that you are still reading this. 
Well, Rick Remender, Andy Sandberg, Joe Troman, writers, Roland Bashi on art, one of Remender's stable of terrific artists. And this is very much a pitch. <laughs> Andy Sandberg as a Jewish superhero called the Holy Roller and uh-huh. Judd Hirsch as his father. But, you know, it's interesting. As Ryan and I talked about the first issue, it's got a lot, you know, unfortunately came out at just the right time because it's a lot of dealing with a lot of anti-Semitism in this small town that the main characters return to after years at in the military and at sea with Greenpeace and dealing with sort of the bullies from his childhood who are now running the town and how awful they are. I mean, I don't dislike it. I'm still waiting to see what exactly it is. This is sort of a pivotal issue for that. I, I don't, I don't, I don't think I like it. Hmm. I think there's bits of it that are definitely remender, but then the bits that aren't don't feel like they match. Mm-hmm. Some of the jokes, some of the references, it just it feels out of place. And I don't, I, I have a very hard time being specific about it, but I don't think it quite works for me. It's relatively heavy handed. Mm-hmm. You know what it is instantly. I don't think I'm going to keep reading it. It's really good looking. Because it ends here where the main character decides he's going to be a superhero. Yeah. Because people need help. So now I'm curious at least to see where the story goes from there. But, you know, if you don't like it, you don't like it. I just, I feel like, I don't feel like the story has many legs. It's not a Spider-Man story is what I'm saying. No, No, I I don't know. It it just didn't grab me. I tried. I wanted it to. But I don't think Rick Remender needs to co-write with anybody. Yeah. I mean, they may be buddies. Who knows? It's interesting because Troman, I can't remember, but he's like in a band. Like he's mm. like the bass player from some band. Here's what I do know. Scroll to the end and look at those 20th anniversary covers. Ooh. He's the lead guitarist for Fallout Boy. Mm. So that's a band that people younger than me like. Look at those covers for Fear Agent 20th anniversary hardcovers. That art on that book was unfair. We had 20 more, Jerome Pena and Mike Hawthorne. It was uh, pretty good. <sighs> it couldn't have been 20 years ago. It had to be 10 years. It wasn't 20 years ago. <laughs> it was 20 years ago. Shit. They're good covers. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Sure. Oh, there's more. There's more covers. I keep scrolling to see more covers. Those are Opeña covers. Oh, God. That book was so good. Jerome Opeña is like the best artist that you forget about. Because he, he doesn't, doesn't work do... that much. I know. Yeah. No. And I, and I you know, like in, in an earlier well, era. some ways I we think... see. He must be doing something. Oh, sure. No, I mean, and I think that he's, I think he's not fast. So when he does stuff, it takes a long time to get issues out. Hmm. You know, and, and, you know, Rick makes that work or whatever. But I just feel like 15, 20 years ago, his covers or whatever, like he'd have been huge. He's like a better Jay Lee. Right. So listen, Hmm. those are all the books we wanted to talk about. All of them. There weren't that many that came out this week. And there weren't that many that we loved, but they were worth talking about a little bit. So there you go. But if you're a patron at patreon.com slash ifanboy, you get to vote to add a book to the rundown. It's called the patron pick. Every patron gets to vote. This week, the winner, and it was a handily one week by Ghost Machine Number One by many people. It had eight stories in it. Is it eight? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight stories. Most of by Jeff Johns, but this is a primer on the Ghost Machine universe. And I will say that this was technically a comic, but it was more like a marketing material and it should have been free. Yeah, it felt like a zero issue for this sure. This felt like the kind of thing they give out at the comic store to give you a preview of a bunch of books coming out. It felt like a new comic book day issue. Be fair, and I was though, like, this shouldn't have been. This should have been charged for this high level work. That's original material, so it's not like it was like reprinted or anything, right? But yeah, you're not wrong. But you know, I, I don't. I don't know what the economics of that whole thing are, and sure. you know, get people to pay for it. Fair enough. 
it's a big book. It's a lot of pages to pay for. 60, yeah. 72 pages or whatever. Printed high so quality. I get it. But also, this was marketing material. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. really a story. It was a couple of pages for the, all these characters to give you a taste of these books that are coming out. Some of them that have been coming out. Yes. All right. How do we approach this? I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of stories. I don't want to go through each one. I mean, didn't have to vote for it. I would have read it anyway. Yes. Because I am interested in this thing. I think there were a couple of the stories in the middle that I, I thought it didn't seem like Jeff Johns. And I thought a little bit like, I think you're better than this. The Rook Exodus one, that didn't feel like Jeff Johns. Yeah, I didn't really like that one. Yeah, from a concept, I was like, this is, I mean, whatever. He can do different genres in comics, but, and it wasn't a bad concept when I sort of thought about it, but wasn't particularly entertained by it. It didn't feel particularly original. Redcoat, too gimmicky. Too Black Lantern. <laughs> it's the same as um the Rucka book that was made in the movie. He's an immortal British assassin mercenary from the Revolutionary War. I'll check it out. No, absolutely. I'll check it out. I'm not going to tell you I'm going to read all these. No, no. I've been reading all the Geiger books. I'm interested in that world. Yes, 100%. So the Jeff Johns, Gary Frank story, I'm already sold on that. Red Coat, mm-hmm. Jeff Johns, and Brian Hitch, I'm going to check it, it out. Yeah. Just the history aspect alone. Rook Exodus about the no. people who can control animals with their helmets, I'm not interested in that. You know what that feels like? That feels like an 80s toy line. Yes. Like they got animal powers and this guy has the wolf one and she controls right. the wolves and like that is a the Centurions or Marshall Bravestar or Silverhawks. Like it's it's that. Jason Fabok on art, it looked good. Also I not. just I know you don't like him, but I, I look I do like him. But I, I thought it looked good. I just not really interested in the concept. And all these books sort of take place, at least in this first set in this sort of post apocalyptic world. And it's a lot of those books. I think he risks overbuilding his world with stuff that isn't related. And I get that Marvel and DC got away with it, for, but I, I liked the idea of, I thought so the original stuff, the, your GI robot, not GI robot, but it's GI robot, and, and, and the Geiger and mm-hmm. sort of crazy Vegas post-apocalyptic stuff. I was like, oh, that all fits together. Yeah. But then the other stuff, I was like, I don't see how this fits with it, and I don't really need it to. Well, then we have two stories in the middle part of their family sub- line of books apparently so it says i'm trying to get to the page where it says it good because they weren't for me family odysseys ghost machines family universe is full of heart heroics and humor it's a wonderful vibrant world of relatable characters and extraordinary circumstances all focusing on the importance of family both born and found and there are two stories both by peter j tomasi writing one was drawn by francis manipal one was drawn by peter schneerberg terrific looking stories i just didn't care about either one yeah i mean they weren't even bad but i was you know it's not it wasn't for me like literally i don't right. think it was made for me so yeah, one's about like a, I don't know, family of like, what are they? Are they? They're from the future. Are they from the future? They're right. from like 30 years in the future or something like That's that. Right. And then the other one was two kids who are sort of like aliens and they're facing each other in a little, little league. No, they're demons. One's they're an demons. angel, one's a demon. That's right. So that's, that's why it's right. Hornsby right. and Halo. And that was just like, I felt super hacky to me. That felt like an 80s TV show, like Hardcastle yeah. McCormick. One's a demon. One's an angel. They're in love. It felt to me like like one of those syndicated TV shows like Small Wonder or My Secret Identity. Like it was that. It was too like cutesy. I'm not interested in those. Nope. Hyde Street Amusement. I just realized that's Peter Snayberg though. I love yeah. Peter Snayberg. Holy cow. Tomasi and Snayberg did that terrific Alpha yes. One story? No, not Alpha One. Yeah. I forget. I don't remember. Uh, Hyde Street Amusements was... I don't, I don't Hyde remember. Hyde Street Amusements was a bunch of ads. And then... Hyde Street, Street. Jeff Johns and Ivan Reese. In each of the stories, someone is reading the previous, like, so 
the Rockefellers go to the movies and it's a movie about the Geiger world. And then in Hyde street, he's reading a comic about the Rockefellers. So that's their sort of time. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember this one. I just remember there was some Hollywood douchebag and a bunch of demons and I just didn't care. Yeah. The Hollywood douchebag was a little overwrought. It was just like whenever somebody's a jerk and then they talk about their super effete coffee drink, you're just like, oh, oh that story is written by Maytel Zuch and drawn by Ivan Reese. Jeff Johns and Ivan Reese did the ads. I guess that counts. Okay. Not so much interested in that. Not at all. It's going to be difficult to rate this. Yeah. I mean, like, so we kind of went over, like, going to read Geiger, going to read Redcoat, no on Rook Exodus, no on Rockefellers, Hornsby and Halo. Any of them. Right. So just the first two. Yeah. The ones we were going to read anyway. Okay. So that's whether you're sticking with it or not. Come up with a number. Uh, you know, do your best. You know what this feels a little like? This feels no. a little bit like cross-gen. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it does. They've got all these high-profile creators. They've got a shared universe. They've got a bunch of stories that people, at the end of the day, just don't necessarily care about. You know? Yeah. Creators you know, characters you'll love. And I do enjoy the Geiger stories. I think they're interesting. And I'm looking forward to seeing if Redcoat is more than the premise. But after that, you know, look, we're, we're a long way into this comic book world. It's real hard to make people care about a new shared universe that doesn't involve Batman or Spider-Man. Yeah. That's just the way it is. So we'll see. But my rating on this is two and a half as a whole. I'll go two and three quarters because there's no skimping on talent at any level. Oh, it's beautiful. Rob Lee and Brad Anderson, like they are not cheaping out like a lot of, you know, indie books too. It's not, you know, like we read a dynamite book, you like, well, they got to save money somewhere. Right. And here, you know, based on the, this new imprint or publisher, whatever it is, you know, it's an imprint, an image, ghost yeah. machine. But they're all, you know, high level people and they're, they're taking a risk on it. And I appreciate that. The difference between this and cross gen, I mean, there are many differences, but ghost machine is like a whole multimedia thing. Like his TV shows have ghost machine logos at the end of them. Right. Or at least the ones that it's were like on the Skybound. air. Not in the air anymore. It's his Skybound, but there's 17 people involved as opposed to just Robert Kirkman, which is going to be a problem, by the way. Skybound is a whole company. Yeah. I've been to the it's office. A building. It's, a, it's a giant thing. Well, there's dozens of people way. who work there. Yeah. They've got a video game unit. They've got a movie unit. They've got a comic. Like, they got a whole thing. We talked about that. Cena Grace and I, because he was like the first employee. <laughs> so there you go. There's Ghost Machine. Sticking with it, we'll stick with those books, but not the rest. Yep. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. If you're a patron, you can vote out a book to the rundown. Or if you give it the $5 or higher level, Josh will give you superpower live on the show, at least this week. It's true. Eddie, who is uh, another loyal and, and appreciated patron, is the nicknamer. Ooh. Eddie will quickly come up with the perfect nickname for anybody who needs one. And we spent a lot of time talking about things that we enjoyed from the 80s, focusing largely on, on G.I. Joe from our youth. Mm-hmm. And all of those characters have nicknames. And and early on, just spot on. And eventually they started running out. But I don't know about you, but along with Ninja Stars, what I think everybody wanted, because there was always a character in the movie who had a sure. nickname, was a great nickname. And Eddie's That's the true. guy to get that from. Because there was people, we all made attempts to, you know, get a nickname so somebody would call us that. I mean, I, you tell me if I'm just, if this is just me. I, I never gave myself one, is that what you're implying? No, but you wanted like you wanted to be like everyone wanted one, but some right, people try to make, like call me call me this and right stuck. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't stick. But like, if you're looking for the perfect one, Eddie's the guy to do it. You know, he's he's the one who told, he said your styles, and it's like, oh, your chainsaw. 
<laughs> you know, these these kinds of things. Why were nicknames so big in the 80s? Was it cocaine? Maybe. I, Let I me feel ask you a like question. it must have been. Do you think it's Eddie Murphy? I don't know that it isn't. I mean, there's a chance, right? There's a chance. Yeah. Not a 0% chance. There's a chance it's Eddie Murphy. It's not a big chance. <laughs> no. I'm very I mean, clear about that. It's, it's infinitesimal. Yeah, it's it's possible. It's a hundred percent possible. There's no doubt about that. Because in the eighties, he was just called Eddie. You know, <laughs> Eddie Murphy. Fuck you, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> so it could be him. Mm-hmm. It could be very meta. Yeah. Patreon.com/slash/ifanboy. You can be a patron just like Eddie, and at the five dollar higher level, give superpower live on the show. We thank you very much. You can directly support the show. Become a part of a community, Discord, Facebook, these are all, there's the monthly patron hangout. There are many reasons to do it. Of course, the number one reason to do it is because you uh, appreciate the show and you have something that you can contribute on your side because you appreciate it and that helps us keep doing it. All that is great. There is merch tier exclusive pending on your level, then you'll get the thing uh, that is appropriate with that after three months of membership, t-shirt, tote bag, hoodie, there's things, sticker, mug, poster. These are all the things that are up there. $5 higher level, you're going to get a patron power when your turn comes up. You got access to the Discord server. $10 or higher gets the ad-free feed of this show. If you don't like those ads, which is quite silly because I think uh, we do some great ad reads. Sure. They're not Conan, but they're also shorter than that. Find out more at patreon.com slash ifanboy. Go to ifanboy.threadless.com. You can find uh, the 13 designs that we have to be put on t-shirts or all sorts of other items. ifanboy.com slash support has a PayPal link. Direct donations are accepted there if that is a thing that you would like to do. Again, we thank everybody for that. Finally, probably the easiest thing to do, the, the easiest way to support us, ifanboy.com slash Amazon. You can do your shopping through that link if you have to buy stuff on Amazon, anything. We will get a piece of that. It doesn't cost you anything. Just, you know, have that be the thing you're doing. There's links to buy all the books on Booksplodes. We link the music. And then there's bookshop.org where if you, you would like to get books from my regular old independently run bookshops, this is a way that they network and allows you to order from them. Uh, you will find those links where you can on the site where you should. They're in the right places. You, if you look, you'll find them. Let's do an email. This one is a three-parter from... Ben F. from Erie, Pennsylvania. Erie, PA, as they say. Erie, Pa? Ben's first question. We'll take it one at a time. What's your favorite unexpected comics-related purchase or find? For example, several years ago, I was at my local library's huge annual book sale, and they had a few boxes of single-issue comics, and I found a near-complete run of The Death and Return of Superman from the 90s, which I got for like 12 bucks. Any finds? Any things you stumbled on, Josh? I I don't feel like I shop like that. Well, not anymore. Anymore? No, I know, but so I'm actually having a really hard time answering this. I think I used to... I used to buy I mean, sub-back issues, old Thors. When I went to shows, you know, like I would buy stuff. The other day, actually here, I bought a lot of toys for a long time, and then I kind of stopped, and lately I've added a couple more, but I got to put up a shelf because it's a problem. A couple more? Oh, well, I was I was segmenting. I wasn't counting the G.I. Joe ones. <laughs> Don't count all those. I'm not kidding. So like a, like a year or two ago, I forget how long it was. Somebody sent me a link like on Instagram. I was like, do you know about this? They were releasing, I forget what they're called, the Hasbro, the good Marvel figures they have there. But it was uh, it was like classic Hawkeye on a sky cycle. And right. I instantly pre-ordered it for 50 bucks. And it came in. <laughs> One of my things that I do when I buy dumb shit I shouldn't spend money on is I tell my wife, I was like, oh, I ordered this months ago. Which was true, but it's like it takes away like, oh, if I made a mistake, it wasn't now. It already happened. Right. Nothing you can do about it. I still do that. (laughs) And then I saw today that it's on clearance for 30 bucks. I was like, so I came up with the idea that like if I think something is really cool and I think I need to get it right away, I'll be safe. I can just wait 
no one will want it. I was shocked and angry. I also got a Kang. Those are the two I have. Kang has hands. Mm-hmm. So that, like if he holds them up, you know, like they do in that great cover way. Um, right. So I was really happy that there's classic hang. I'm really happy that those two things exist. I feel like I don't know what else I am at a point. You went through a back issue thing a little while ago. You started this sort of. Uh, I did, but that, that was before the pandemic. And then everything is still insanely expensive now. So I, I haven't That's- I haven't bought a back issue in four years now. I was buying them before the lockdown and everyone started spending their money on collectibles. Yeah. My quick answer to this question is it wasn't necessarily me, but. This was a long time ago. This was like maybe 15 years ago. My mom and my sister were at an auction in upstate New York in a small town auction. And they called me from it and they said, hey, there's this big bunch of comics here. Are you interested in these comics? And turns out they were the first 10 or 15 issues of Jack Kirby's Captain America book, Captain America 100. Mm-hmm. It was the first time I called Captain America. It was Captain America Comics before that. From Tales and from I said, Oh, shit. Yeah, definitely get those if they're not too expensive. Um, obviously, don't spend a lot of money. So they, they ended up getting them for not too expensive. I obviously paid them back. And they were great. They were in really great condition. They were beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to California, left my comics in the family storage unit for, I don't know, five, six, seven years. My mom was like, closing the unit down. I'll keep the long boxes in my apartment, but you got to figure this out. I said, sure. A year went by and she called me. She said, hey, these got to go. Either ship them to California or do something with them. So I said, all right, when I come home for Christmas, I will pick out some I want to keep and I'll donate them. And then a couple weeks later, she said, hey, my friend's kids read comics. Uh-huh. I told him you had a bunch of comics at my house. Any objection to them looking through the long boxes and taking what they want since you're getting rid of them anyway? I said, no, no, it's fine. Because I was like in the middle of something. I, would, I didn't even think about the implications of the words. No, no, it's fine. Oh, God. that I, like You should give kids comics. Absolutely. But that's I think they were teenagers, which means they okay. were awful. Okay. Like you didn't just sell it. So then, you know, I go back home for Christmas and I'm looking through the long boxes to pull out stuff I want to keep before I get rid of them. I end up donating an old charity. And of course, the Jack Kirby Captain Records were gone. Along with all my old Batman comics from like the 50s and 60s. <gasps> oh, God, that hurt. I was super zen about it because I said mm-hmm. it, it was fine. You know, like I can't get mad. Certainly not my mom's fault. I told her to go ahead and do it. Yeah. I just wasn't thinking. It wasn't the kid's fault. I would have also, if I had been told, hey, take whatever you want out of this box. There's a bunch of Jack Kirby books. I also would have taken them. But they didn't even know that's what they got, though. I don't know. I don't even, I've never met these kids. Who knows? Maybe they, they did. But I mean, they must have. They took them. So those were gone. And mm. then my wife spent several years tracking down replacements and got them for, for my birthday one year. And so I have them back or at least replacement copies. Oh God. that hurt. It's fine. It's all fine. I was very, I was super <laughs> Zen. I was, you know what? No, you are. And you sound it like you don't sound like you're, what you're not you do? even doing the joke. What can you do? You said, yeah, take what you want. They took what they wanted. I wasn't thinking it was my own fault. Uh, and like you said, someone else got them and maybe they're out there in the world. I hope that there are new, you know, Jack Kirby fans. I hope that that's what it is. And if it isn't now, like I hope they it just sold them into online. that. But whatever. It's not my problem. That was a long time ago. I did think of a real answer. Again, these all come, I don't look for things anymore and I don't really go anywhere where they have things. Right. But many years ago, probably over 10 years ago, like right when I first moved here, I think I was looking every once in a while, like every few years, I find myself like looking at original art. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll just I'll just be like, oh, I want to look something, and then I'll start flipping around. And whenever I do that, because I love comic book art, yep. I start seeing things I want. And I have Stuart Eminem page from the first issue of Next Wave that was seventy five dollars, right? Seventy five dollars. Right. It's on the wall. It's uh, Steve Rogers walks out of a bathroom and thumbs at it like your toilet's broken because mm-hmm. he took a big dump in it and, and wrecked the toilet. And so that has a lot of things I like about it. Written by Warren Ellis, Stuart Eminem page seventy five dollars. Even back then, like today, I, I don't know what it you know, but original art has gone crazy the same way back issues mm-hmm. have gone crazy. It's all yeah unaffordable now. I've heard my Transmetropolitan page is in the thousands, which is crazy. Which I bought well over twenty years ago now. 
for a hundred dollars. And then I have a page from the, I don't even know if somebody pointed it out to me, but, or if I found it, but I, I happened upon a page from a King and Black Thunderbolts, mm-hmm. the very right. last page yep. of it by, oh, killing me. Juan Ferreira. Juan Ferreira. And it's where they're all posing at the end you know, with, with that great team of Taskmaster and Batrock the Leaper. But what are they doing, Josh? They're holding up the upper half of a dead sentry, Bob Jenkins, I think, and holding them up by his hair. And it's just, it's beautiful. A, like Juan Ferreira does original pages and he uses whiteout and shading and like, and like even if you look at other pages, like bits of red and color that he puts in there. Mm-hmm. So you, you don't get original pages like this anymore. Like hardly ever. And it was like a hundred bucks. It took like eight months to get here from Argentina or whatever. <laughs> I remember you were getting worried. What was crazy about it was that he sent it and I got it finally. And he messaged me and he's like, I don't like what I did on this part. If you want to send it back to me, I'll fix it. And I was like, no, <laughs> it's original. You don't get to touch it. This is what was printed. Like it was really sweet and he cared about yeah. his art and I actually really liked that. But I mean, no. It was also more the idea of you shipping it back. Was it Argentina he was in or shipping it back yeah. to wherever he was and not maybe not making it back just because of. Like it wasn't that as much as like, no, no, this is the piece. I don't want a special edition. It That's not the appeal. So there, there's a couple, I guess. Took us a while. Question two from Ben. I started collecting comics right before the Civil War event started at Marvel. <laughs> 1860. That was a huge story that involved the entire line and was a massive hit. I know it wasn't the first big event, but since then, it seems like both DC and Marvel have continually pumped out events every few months with varying degrees of success, mostly diminishing results. But Civil War seemed to be a high point. My question is, what was going on in comics at the time that allowed Civil War to be such a hit? And what would Marvel and DC need to do to have another successful event? You said you're not really reading current DC events like Night Terrors or Beast World. So what would it take for an event to get you interested? This is the unknowable question, Ben. I mean, if we had the answer, we could charge our consulting fee to Marvel and DC at a very high number because they're desperate to recapture this market and they no one seems to know what happened to it or why it changed the krakoa the whatever the from the hellfire gala there's been fun things that's not really an event okay it goes across a bunch of books it's a thing that's happening it's a major shakeup in the universe it's a line-wide story i mean i get it i get it but he's talking about like i know i don't even know what the last one is the tree one the last marvel one civil war two was it king and not king of black was it that asgardian one where they king of black king and black King of Black was definitely a line-wide thing. DC does these small, like Beast World's not really a line-wide, it's just sort of in the Titans books. Night Terrors did take over the whole line. That was an event that no one cared about or read, and no one knows why it happened. DC Metal was probably the last really big DC one. There was Lazarus Planet, but no one cares. Like it's just it's Let's tough. do a little calendar work on this, though, mm-hmm. because so Civil War comes out in 2006, 2007. We know that the MCU starts in 2008. From Ooh. that point on... Comics, at least at Marvel, and to a certain extent at DC, are different. They change in what they can do. And so it's 6-7, you know, creators still matter. And and that is to say they move units. So at this point, you have uh, a very hot, very good Steve McNiven. You have Mark Miller, who doing a Marvel-wide event is a really big deal. And when I say they met, like, names don't move books anymore, to nearly the extent that they used to. Well, yes, then that changed too. Civil War was the high point. Like everything, they've been chasing that dragon, but there was still the year, was it the year after? Was Secret Invasion and Final Crisis. And that was it. Mm-hmm. Final Crisis was the last, the big DC one. That was the last time both companies put out big events that everyone who was reading seemed to, to read and was excited for. However successful they were, they weren't. People were into it. Like we were running iFanboy as a full-blown website community at the time. And I mean, those 
comics sparked tons of conversation, tons of excitement, tons of speculation, and it hasn't happened really since then. It's been diminishing returns ever since, though. So the high point, the peak was Civil War. I think the, the movies took over. But you'd think that they would invigorate the comics and instead of completely – the market's That's, totally changed. And I, don't, I don't know why. No one knows why. They don't know why. I think that the onus where people went for big superhero things became the movies and the comics just couldn't compete with that. And so, again, those comics are preaching to the core – you know, the, right. those people are going to get them or whatever. But stuff like the Civil War, because they had nowhere else to get it, but it brought I, in I mean, people. I think that's certainly part of it. But also, it's just, I think, however it happened where people stopped buying books for creators changed things. Because Mark Miller doing Civil War was a big deal. Brenda's doing Secret Invasion was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Grant Morrison doing Final Crisis was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Whenever it changed where people stopped buying for the creator names affected that. But I also just think that... I don't, I'm, I'm just actually, no, now I'm talking myself out of it because DC for a long time didn't do any events. They didn't do anything after New 52 for years. Mm-hmm. So they didn't oversaturate the market. But when they came back, none of their event ideas were interesting or compelling. That's it. Like, the, I mean, literally for years, none of the DC events were any good. They didn't have stakes because you need to have stakes. Even if there's an illusion of stakes, there has to be some, sometimes, some stakes. Sometimes before a convention, mm, you need two stakes. Sometimes you got to have two stakes in your early 20s. And even that's too much. It it it's just there's no compelling reason for any of these events to happen. They all feel kind of the same. Beast World feels very similar to Lazarus Planet, where something falls out of the sky and changes everyone. Which was very similar to the cloud from the Inhumans. Right. What is it called? It's just the Terragenesis. The ideas aren't there, and it used to be also that the events were seeded in the books and then they sort of exploded into the whole line and so it felt like they didn't come out of left field and you had a stake in the in the matter another thing happened again it started at marvel but it has bled over into dc is that marvel shifted to the volume the renumbering right and so the line doesn't have cohesion anymore like it did or at least had the illusion of what is happening in Spider-Man pretty much stays in Spider-Man was happening in X-Men pretty much you know what is happening in Avengers may as well not be happening same thing over with jla there isn't one i don't know why every story every single maybe but also like every single story is this time everything is on the line and and i guess that was kind of always but it feels like it's the trades because they have to sell books and you can't sell a book you can't market a book on hey these are some really solid well done batman stories it's got to be Batman's world will ever be changed, and you can put that on the cover of the book, and that's how you sell it. And if we could go back in time, there's a lot of things we would tell younger Connor and younger Josh and younger Ron. But first off, we'd say, guess what, Ron? You haven't changed your hair. Second, we'd say, (laughs) we'd have a lot of discussion about investing and stocks and things. Then third would be, you guys all are advocating, you know, writing for the trade, transferring the industry to trades. It's going to blow up in your face in a way you can't foresee because that's what happens sometimes you want things one way and it actually ends up being problems with it that you you just can't foresee until it happens we used to be very strong advocates of the renumbering we did of the hellboy model and i've done oh, it yeah. they all went yeah, that yeah, way right. and now we decided we didn't like it huh. so it is what it is something happened to comics in 2008 whether it was the movies or what ideas being run out it's the same 25 people writing the books that were writing them 15 years ago who knows what that's it is true. but the ideas aren't there the compelling stories aren't there 
And no one buys things for creators anymore. I think that just the overall shape of things changed. The way that it was all structured changed. I don't believe that ideas aren't there. I don't. I believe well, there's a lot of. No, I mean, the ideas that are putting forward aren't. aren't those sure. Aren't the ones. No. No. For for events or whatever. It's just yeah. like the things that are good are happening in different corners, and it's like the long tail theory. It's going to appeal to the thing that you like, and you'll find that thing. It's um it's frustrating because I used to love, 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 love events. And I, mm-hmm. I I read the first issue of Beast World. I didn't read Titan Night Terrors. I read some of Lazarus Plan and I read DC Metal all the way through. I want them to be good desperately, but they're just not. And it's not the creators involved. Metal was Snyder and Capullo. I wonder also if, you know, you loved events a little bit to do with because when you were growing up, events were like a big deal and you didn't necessarily need them to be good. Like, I don't remember Atlantis Attacks being good or bad or any of what it was. I just remember being, wow, it goes across all the books, and I was excited. But you said the writers are the same people. The readers are the same people. Like, there aren't kids. It would be marketing producing books the same way that you'd be trying to entice 12-year-olds now. And it's just not, it doesn't work the same. I don't know. I mean, I I feel like even as adults, you had Final Crisis, you had Infinite Crisis, you had Civil War, to a certain extent, Avengers versus X-Men. There have been good ones Mm -hmm. in our adult lives. Something changed about the market. Buying mm. habits changed drastically all of a sudden, and I don't know what. I mean, there could still be a really good idea that someone will come up with, and it'll reinvigorate everything and bring everyone back and be exciting again. But I also don't know that comics are, when comics are no longer a soap opera, then the lead up to the event, the event, and then the fallout have a lot less impact. You know, Crisis of Infinite Earths happens in 1986, and the whole line leads up to it. All the characters are involved. Major things happen that then reverberate through all the books. But now since all the books are written for collected editions and you, they no longer write the A plot, B plot, C plot style of comics, the feeling isn't the same. Yeah. It's weird. It's, it's weird. Not. They, listen, there's no easy answers. We're just spitballing here. But if we had the answers, they, we could charge them a lot of money to fix everything. Yeah. All right. Final question from Ben from Erie PA. I hear they play some mean card games there. On the most recent podcast, you were discussing the film and the books from Master and Commander. This one was for you, Josh. Yeah, I can tell. And as someone who enjoys a good swashbuckling tale adventure on the high seas, I was trying to come up with comics and graphic novels with those kind of stories, but couldn't think of any other than the Black Freighter story in Watchmen and the recent arc in Nightwing. Can you please suggest any comics or graphic novels in this genre? Uh, Stephanie Phillips did a pirate story. Yes, she did. Not too long ago. What was that called? A Man Among Ye. A man among it's a little bit like they were all lady pirates. It's not a very popular genre. <laughs> no, so, I mean, that's kind of the thing. I mean, that's why they didn't make any more movies. That's why this kind of story is only going to happen in books. Did Brian Wood do it, or was that just like an issue in that Revolutionary War series? Probably just an issue. Yeah. Adventures in the High Seas aren't amongst the top genres. I couldn't think. I can't think of any. That was kind of why the whole joke in Watchmen was that the most popular comics were pirate comics. Can I, I tell you a thing that didn't happen and is from forever ago on past life? Uh-huh. You almost went to pirate school. Charles Soule and I, before he was... Blew up. Yeah, like a really big deal. Like literally before he was any of those things. We're talking about doing an anthology called True Sea Stories. Mm-hmm. And it was going to be all like true stories about the high seas, you mm-hmm. know, and, and things like that. Again, no one would have... <laughs> it wasn't a thing. I don't know. It's just not a very popular genre. No, it... Oh, Chris Schweitzer did a series of books for Oni Oh, that were more like all ages. Right. And they were about pirates. The Krogan Adventures. Krogan's, the Krogan's, yes. The Krogan Adventures. Those are good. 
Yes. But they're all ages, so you have to be ready for that. Yeah, and I don't know if they're still... <laughs> the first book's very cheap on Amazon. <laughs> it's $3. You're going to get that. There you go, Ben. Yeah. Goes of Vengeance, $3 on Amazon. For the hardcover, Jesus. He didn't finish it. It was going to be like a whole series. I don't even know if exactly, they Because no one bought it because it's not very popular. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's unfortunate. It's like a subgenre within a genre. If you want to think about like revolutionary or Napoleonic sort of comics, good luck right. finding those. Right. And then within that, you know, like the seas, high seas, whaling. Right. I mean, I'm sure there are stories that have like a supernatural bent to them more. And what was that movie that just came out? Like it starts, but it looks like it's on an old ship. And then it turns out that Dracula's on the ship. And I was like, oh, that's so, so, so mad. I thought we were going to get a pirate ship. Well, there's a couple. The yeah. Stephanie Phillips one and the, and the Chris Schweitzer ones. Yeah. And, and you know, they, read those Master Commander books and have the adventure in your mind. It's yeah. a comic in your mind. That's what novels are. Do you remember are. a book called The Mercenary Sea? Yes, but that was modern. Yeah. Modern-ish. It was still a yeah. period piece, but it wasn't the high seas with, you know, sails. And it was like, but that was good, though. That was really good. That had really wonderful art, too. It was Real, like real good. Kel Simons and Matthew Reynolds. Was that an image? Yeah, it was an yeah. image. The Mercenary Sea. Yeah. That was terrific. So the Mercenary Sea, Krogan's. 1938, South Seas. Adventures, and then A Man Among Ye. So a there Man you Among go. Ye. There you go. We got some answers. We got some stuff. Stuff that we actually we remember. Pull it out of the a- fire. Hotdogatfanboy.com <laughs> is how Ben wrote in. You can also write in for our Mediasplode show. If you put Mediasplode in the subject line, we'll know that it's for that show. Thank you. Here's some plugs out right now is our Mediasplode show. We talked about what we enjoyed over the holidays. That's two shows behind. Well, that's not even true. It's somewhere behind the show in the feed. You can check that out. Right behind the show in the feed, however, is the latest Booksplode show. The patrons unlocked all the Splode shows. And the latest Booksplode show, we talked about classic G.I. Joe, Real American Hero, Volume 1. First of all, a terrific time doing that. Second of all, Josh, we made a huge error on that show. Go on. I'm going to call it out here on the show. We're doing corrections now. Like It's an error of omission. Okay. I had meant to bring this up while reading it. I made a mental note. And then, you know, you get deep in the conversation. You get in the oh, muck sure. of it. And you forget. Someone starts talking about gung-ho. Yeah, you start talking about gung-ho's dialect and you forget. Etienne Lafitte is his name, which I did not know. It's important to note that the original editor of G.I. Joe Rhythm American Hero, through at least the first two volumes of the book, was the legendary Denny O'Neill. No shit. Yeah. So that's another reason why it was very good. I randomly pulled a couple of the trades off the shelf, and later on in the run, it's the almost equally legendary Marvel editor, Bobby Chase. It tells you a little about where their careers were at that point. Well, no, Denny O'Neill, that was post all his Batman stuff. I know, but there was a rise and fall situation. You got to get work. Either way, I think that contributes. I think someone like Denny O'Neill shepherding the book in the beginning yes. really contributes to the quality of the book. I agree. Which I agree. We're, I we're talking about. So that was, I remember looking at it, I was like, oh shit, Denny O'Neill. And I, and I looked in the second volume, he's still editing it, at least through the 20s. Mm-hmm. I would say that it, what's also interesting is that a lot of times you do something like this, you get it out of your system and you're over it. And uh, <laughs> the links that I'm sending on our, our team Slack channel would suggest that is not the case. No, it's not. I read <laughs> two more issues last night. I'm up to 16 now. Next week, this coming week, this week, you'll have the Animation Brain Trust's review of Justice League Crisis and Infinite Earths Part 1. Here you go. It's an event in movie form. How will it stack up? We'll find out. So that'll be coming this coming week. So you had your media explode, you had your book explode, you have your animation show, and later in February you'll have a talk explode and another media explode. Shit, that means I'm on deck. You're on deck. 
You can find our library of 1,300 plus shows still going up. It's going up right now. Literally right now. We are increasing that count as I speak. That's over at ifanboy.com. You can find podcasts by searching ifanboy or, in fact, comic books. I think you can get to us pretty quickly at that point, which is something I'm extremely proud of. And I'm not sure why. That tells you everything you need to know about comic books, by the way. Because if comic books were a big deal, I'd be famous, and I'm not. I feel more comics on Instagram. Connor and I are Cisco Patrick and Jay Flang on Instagram. And then subscribe to our YouTube page, youtube.com slash ifanboy. Like and subscribe. Smash all the buttons you can, and you'll find this show every week. You'll find our old video shows. In fact, we did shows on many of those events that Ben was asking about. We did a sure. Secret Invasion show. We, we did a Final a Crisis show. show. anything. We did a comic book events show where we talked about comic book events, the history of them. We had no idea they were about to crash and burn, but we did it. The future is bright for comic book events, renumbering, and trades. There's a crisis show, I'm pretty sure. All of those are available at youtube.com slash ifanboy. And consider writing us a review or leaving a star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any of the many other podcast aggregators that people use to listen to the show. We thank you very much. It's funny how on a week with no books, we felt the need to vamp and stuff, and now we're long. I knew that was going to happen because we had the freedom to just like. I was like, it's going to be a nice, tight show. I'll be out of here at a reasonable hour. No way. And uh, nope. Did not happen. No, I was. That's we, the podcasting game. Started off with you ever have problems at the airport? <laughs> like that's not a good way to say we're going to keep it tight. There's a brick wall behind us. You ever? Uh, you know when you're looking forward to going to the Bojangles in the Charlotte <laughs> airport and it's closed down and you got to go all the way to Terminal B. <sighs> I can tell you all about the Washington airport because last year in a work trip I got stuck there for four hours. It was not fun. I went to the wrong restaurant. I went to a restaurant. It was terrible. I walked about a hundred more feet and found an amazing restaurant. And I was like, oh, I blew it. Anyway, that that's normal. No one cares. My name is Connor. I'm Josh. I care. I'm okay alone, but you got something I need. Well, I got a brand new pair of roller skates. You got a brand new key.